0: Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast for yet another conversation. My name is Chad. In this episode, I'm with Dan and Adrian once again, and we are tackling the idea of criticism versus feedback. And I've been reading a lot of articles lately in business based publications where they're talking about this idea of having a criticism culture or a feedback culture. So I wanted to get the guys' insights on this topic. And as you'll see, some of my ideas were reversed or at least challenged as we got into this conversation. I loved this conversation. It was so good. I got so much out of it. And I can't wait for you to listen. As a reminder, in the description of this podcast episode, there is a link. If you're facing any of the challenges or the obstacles that we discuss in this podcast, or you're looking for a way to create new results with your team, I want you to click on that link and reach out to us. We cannot wait to hear from you. We'll have a conversation with you and we'll figure out how to create the results that you're looking for. Now let's get into the conversation. Hello everybody, welcome back to the show. My name is Chad. I'm here with Adrian and Dan. How are you gentlemen? Right. Excellent. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So this week, as I was telling you before we hit record, I've been doing a little bit of research on culture and just Trying to make sure I have my finger on the pulse of what people are talking about, whether the hot topics and how it's being spoken about in some of the bigger realms. Like, oh, I think about like fast company and the Inc. five thousand articles or Inc. five hundred articles that get put out, that kind of stuff. And it's just interesting to me to look and see what topics are hot. What What are people writing about? What are they talking about? But more importantly, how are they talking about them? And I love I, (laughs) I love it when we can take one of those concepts that a lot of experts or gurus, quote unquote, are talking about and really dissect it and ask ourselves, what are, we, what are we noticing? What are we not noticing? And what's missing from the conversation? Or what can we add from our experience? And so this idea of feedback and criticism. And a lot of the, a lot of the context that I saw it in was they were pitting them against each other as if they're opposites right? It's this idea, like, are you, uh, and, and around culture, are you creating a feedback culture or are you creating a criticism culture? And I'm not even sure about the idea that they're opposites. Yeah. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to jump in with both of you and just get your take. I'm always so enlightened by what you bring to the table and, and how you open my mind to things that I didn't even consider that I didn't know. I didn't know. So Let's open it up. I mean, I'd love to start with criticism. When we talk about criticism, or you hear somebody talk about criticism, or you even feel criticized, what are we talking about? Like, what are the maybe what are the characteristics or um, the is it does it have to do with frequency? Does it have to do with tone? Does it have to do what are we talking about when we talk about criticism? You can speak from your own personal experience. I mean, times that you felt criticized or often criticized or whatever i just want to get the idea let's start making a differentiator between feedback and criticism
1: right you know well it's interesting because the word criticism the root of that word etymologically is the word crisis which means to judge and the word criterion the word criterion comes from that which is the seat of judgment right criterion by which so criticism is a form of of judgment and, and now a ju- you know you're judging the performance of somebody, you're judging who they are. you could be critiquing who they are, you could be critiquing what they do. you, you know it's a a criticism or a, an assessment of mm-hmm. of something. so that could be you know it's interesting because feedback is that is basically you're getting information back, including people's assessments so you're going to probably get some of their you're going to get people's judgments and assessments and probably the the best feedback is you know when we talk about feedback i always think of it in a systemic way right because like an engine you have to have intake and you have to have exhaust and feedback's intake it's like give me the information how am i impacting the situation then i can make corrections and like that like a plane flying across the country, corrects multiple times because it's getting feedback about where it is in relationship to where it wants to go. What that means would be more of a critique, in my mind. Although you could still use it, feedback and criticism could be interchangeable. But when you start using the word critique, now we're going to get the person's judgment on top of it or their assessment of what they think the significance is in relationship to whatever you might be doing together so it could be it's it shows up like that in, in for me on my radar
2: yeah i mean as we as we started I and mean, jumped into this episode i i you know i'm one of those nerds that has the merriam webster app on the home screen i don't know it's probably 0.5% of the people on the human pl- on the planet probably less anyway i just love words i looked it up looked up criticize and it's interesting you know, the first definition is to consider the merits and demerits of and judge accordingly. Judge accordingly. Yeah. Right. So there's a neutrality to criticize than the first definition. The second definition is what your the article you read is talking about, which is to find fault with. Yep. You know. So to critique is more of. I mean, to criticize. You know. So pick your poison. I mean, there, there's one that there's a way to do it neutrally, which is just about really what's working and what's not working in somebody's right. performance, in them how they're showing up. You know who they are, as Dan was saying there's a way to criticize neutrally which is about both what's happening that's working what's happening that's not working most of the time especially in the very sensitive culture we're in if uh, I think people wow there's a lot there's a lot of conversations here so one is you know <laughs> people people typically
0: so calm down, flood. calm down,
2: Adrian. I don't know. I just got the, the floodgates just opened with the, uh, the the complexity of this conversation. And I'll try not to bore the audience for my own entertainment. But you know, criticize typically feels like so negative, right? And it because yep. it typically is. You know, I think because people naturally resist being honest. I mean, as human beings, we typically resist being honest because we don't like the vulnerability of going and saying what's going on for me. And so the typical human waits and they critique and they hold it in and they start the list. About what's wrong with Tom, and they keep going. And then next time Tom f's up, they write that down in their own little list in their head, and they write that down. They write that down. They write that down. Then it's time to finally talk to Tom, and they've got a long list. They haven't also kept a list of what's right with Tom. They've not been keeping that list. That list is not important because you know what he works here, and he should be X Y Z, and he, you know, I pay him enough to do X Y Z, and I gave him a bonus last year, and so we ought to blah blah blah. But this stuff over here, this is what I have to talk to Tom about. I don't have one. Thing to talk to Tom about. I've got 54 things to talk to Tom about.
1: I love when Adrian goes on his rants.
2: Yeah, it's yeah,
1: good. The best. That was one of the better ones. You got to cut that one out. That's one of
2: the best. <laughs> I'm just saying, right? Like we hold it in and then it's nuclear. Yeah. And then we say, don't criticize. But what we just have done is we've immaturely criticized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've only done and shared with Tom what I don't like and why Tom
0: is my problem. That's a half assed job. I mean, it it, is. quite literally. Right. I it's mean, literally half assed, yep. literally half assed.
2: And therefore, Tom says, oh, Adrian, he doesn't know me, which is might or might not be true. But I'm definitely not representing like I know him. And now, Tom, instead of listening to the 54 things, now he's saying, why don't you see me? Why don't you see what else I do around here? Right. And then it becomes this polarized naturally polarized relationship that adrian only sees what's wrong with tom partially because i have held withheld my honest conversation i've okay. only have started to notice what's wrong with tom and then i dump it on him to prove a point instead of to help him
1: it's like you're i'm building a i'm filling a sack full of whatever tom did wrong right and now i'm going to turn around and whack him in the head with it <laughs> <So> that- <laughs>
2: yes thinking that's what it takes well you to- know what Help Tom,
1: and then the the and what's interesting in the culture that I've experienced is rather than teach people how to relate to what's being said to them, the effort goes into trying to control what people say. Yeah, right. Versus, in other words, the the danger of anything is in what in the listener, not in the speaker. But but the emphasis has been put on the speaking as if If you can get people to say the right things, then it'll be acceptable and it can be heard. But really what I I work on, what we work on in our training is, in our coaching is, look, you're the listener and whatever you're experiencing is a result of the meaning you're putting on what's being said to you. And you can actually, if you want to hear feedback, you can if you decide not to use it against yourself and use it to understand what, the impact is that you're having on others around you, and whether it it was what you intended or not, the idea of connecting with what that impact is opens up a possibility for reinvention, opens a possibility for for correction, for re, like, like innovating yourself into the situation.
0: Yeah, there's a lot here.
1: So yeah. Adrian,
0: one thing I'm taking you started the chat. I I you even keep up. <laughs> so I want to. I want to double click on this idea Adrian that you talked about where you know you've got 54 things that Tom did wrong yeah. and that becomes the focus of your intervention with him your conversation here's what and I think you know it's interesting is usually the leader the the owner the the team lead whatever they think that the pay and the bonuses and the perks is the feedback for everything you're doing right
1: yeah
0: I think, right? That's kind of what I heard when you said that. Like, hey, wait a minute. I'm paying you to do good. Yeah. So that's all your feedback. As long as you have a job and a pay, that's all the feedback you should need for what you're doing well. I think people see it that way.
2: I think people see it that way that they don't, they, sh- they don't, you shouldn't have, they'll sh- they say it this way. I shouldn't have to go tell them that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm paying the guy. Yeah. I gave him a promotion. Obviously, right. I think he's doing well.
0: Right. You know. So then all that comes out, the, there it is no other right. way other than demotion or pay cut or firing to show them what's not working unless it's criticism or feels like criticism, right? That you, Those things must be spoken because they must be taken care of. So I'm just, yeah. it's just interesting to think of like, Okay, now we're seeing how a culture of criticism, quote unquote criticism yeah. or only only focusing on what's not working or or the fault is pernicious. It's, it's it happens yeah. a lot because you think that's all you need to talk to people about.
1: Well I think there's a meta conversation behind it. What's the purpose and the feedback will determine whether if, if you will in this say let's say criticism is is judgmental in this yep. case and that feedback is, more neutral. Let's just use that as a distinction, even though there's more nuances in there. Yeah. My thing is, what's the purpose of your communication? Because if I'm if I'm coming to Adrian, let's say about something, and my purpose is to support him and our our connection, our partnership in producing something, I'm going to have a very different mood than if I come to him and my purpose is to make him wrong so I can look good. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think this is. Where these conversations can get derailed because we want to make it about what's being said versus where, you know, the who in the situation. Where is what being said coming from? Mm. Am I doing this to elevate myself? Am I doing this to leverage this guy's faults to politically move me along? Or am I doing this because I'm committed to the team? doing you know accomplishing what we're after and this is something that adrian needs i think to see in order to improve his game and for me to get closer to him to understand maybe there's some things i'm missing to understand how i can contribute something like that mm-hmm. such a different you know it's a big deal because if the, if where i come from isn't really discerned then it really causes mischief in these kinds of conversations where they're corrective, where you're trying to bring some kind of enforcement or correction to the team. Right. Yeah. And I'll
2: I'll maybe even bring it one step closer to the ground. I mean, because I've been I've been I've received really, quote unquote, harsh feedback from somebody that I love, somebody that I know is committed to me, somebody that I'm committed to working with long term. And that harsh feedback was a gift. Because I knew those, I knew your points, right? Like, I knew it. Like, I was like, okay, this takes guts on his part, so this matters to him, and I respect him. So I wonder what, you know, even the critique. Right. Like, there's a gift in this, right?
1: Yeah. What am I missing that he might be seeing? Yeah. We all have people like that when they, they, you know, you might blow off what somebody says to you, but then when somebody close to you that you know cares about you says to you. Maybe I should think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and to
2: and to some of the the earlier point, I mean, I think Dan, I think Dan, you cast a great picture about maybe you know the vision for what a healthy culture of feedback would exist like, right? What it would be like right. in the minds of people of leaders that are that are aiming to generate the type of conversation in their company where people are free to share, people want to hear the feedback. Because everybody knows, you know, in our work, we always talk about being fierce advocates for our clients, right? And then sometimes it's fun. The leaders I work with call themselves fierce advocates for their teams. And they set that because they like that. It's like, oh, okay, hold on. Because there's permission on both sides. There's advocacy, which is, hey, I'm here for you. There's fierceness. Hey, I'm not precious about it. I'm actually going to be real deal up front, say what's uncomfortable, make something happen. And I'm, and I'm willing to put the relationship at stake for the sake of the vision and for the sake of our real relationship, which is not this kind of pandery type relationship where we got to act nice. We're not going to act nice. We're going to be real. Sometimes being real is really loving. Sometimes being real is being frustrated and say, Hey man, that doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll, I'll take real over nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and when people take on that type of culture, you know, then so much. there's so much permission baked in because I can hear it, you know? So I think you're... Anyway, you cast a really great vision about if people decide to aim and give purpose and meaning and add, you know, I don't know, love, add advocacy to the speaking, what can happen?
1: Yeah, I don't know if people really... I don't know how much... Because I say this from our work with our own clients, how much... We, are, we stop and think about the purpose of our communication I know yeah. I know we practice that a lot because you know so many times I want to say something just to hear myself speak because yeah. you know, I think yeah. it's good. and it's regular daily
0: is it correct to to assume or or to talk about feedback codes we really dialed in on criticism to start out but there I think there's some def- some opportunity to define feedback here as well is it fair or does, is it even helpful to define feedback as as more balanced right whenever usually when we give feedback to each other as a team or even in our workshops and our experiences it's always what's working what's not working both are addressed
1: yeah you know we do that because we want to we're working to trim away the distractions, so in the very short period of time, we can make a great amount of movement. But feedback is anything coming back to me, if you think about it. Feedback is, yeah. I mean, judgment, all of that is feedback of some sort. Yeah. And worth listening to, or at least connecting with, looking at it, seeing it. like Considering. Yeah, considering. I used to train trainers, and we would say, Look, I want you to sit in a plexiglass bubble. When people are speaking to you, listen to everything. Like, like let the words come up against them, land on them, and then consider them, right? Like, so you can look at them rather than just take them in. So you can ha- assess them, yeah. give them your stated purpose in front of the room. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's ultimately the most valuable. That's the biggest, that's the strongest stand. But what we do in the training room and what we do in our coaching is, we, we narrow it down to what worked, what didn't work, what's wanted and needed, because that helps people think what's going to make a difference. And they kind of break through or get outside of the assessments and things that might be distractive or might obfuscate the conversation into some defensive posture or something.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cause I've been I've also been in meetings and I've I think I've fallen into this trap and I definitely have had it I've been on the receiving end of this thing where somebody needs to correct one of my behaviors, right? Or or needs to bring up a correction or something that's not working. And I go through this dog and pony show at the beginning of talking about the things that they love about me, or the things that I'm doing well or whatever. And it feels so insincere. Yeah. And at, at those moments I'm going. Listen, jackass, just get to the thing. Like, what do you need? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I hope that's none of us. (laughs) (laughs) Usually we're criticized on the other side of that. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not
0: this team, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, that's (laughs) fine. We have no problem getting to what's needed.
1: Well, you know, I was thinking about the feedback we gave Jess the other day. I just came on. I thought, well, I came on a little strong there. I got some feedback. (laughs) Like, oh, wait, um, let me just c- contextualize. That.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, obviously I've probably done that too. You know, I've probably done what you're talking about, Chad. I, anyway, I've got so many thoughts about what you guys, what we're, what we're saying here. Dan, I love what you were saying about just having the space as a trainer, as somebody, and to, let's put it to the position of most people listening to this, as a leader and you've got a team that some of the team are high performing some of them aren't some of them are happy to work here some of them aren't some of them like you some of them don't now are there who do you listen to and how do you listen to them right and are there people that you've written off and then you tell
1: yourself you wish they would change yeah the the noticing it's like noticing who you actually give you listen to closer and who you don't, it's a good question about I wonder, how come I'm not listening to this person right now
2: mm. right Well, and you know the uh, so much here, you know it, but it, it, it's back to your point, Dan, about like what, the purpose of the communication, right so if I I mean I, and I, I think about this easily in my relationship with my girlfriend, I think about this easily in my relationship with my kids it It happens everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like, am I here to correct or punish? Or tell them something, or or you know make change them because I'm uncomfortable, or am I here to actually go connect and learn about what's happening?
1: Yeah, you know, and
2: that that like three second gap between hey scout and then when I actually say what I'm saying next, that's the ball game. How I launch into that conversation?
1: Well, it's interesting because there's a, this guy uh, Gottman. Uh, he does, you know, he has the, the, what's called the Love Lab, and they have couples come in and they they hook them up to all the electrode, whatever, you know, so they can get on and watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and they notice that in in any difficult conversation, that nine out of ten of them that are successful start. It's the startup that determines whether it's going to be successful or not. Like how does somebody, like exactly what you said, how does somebody start up in the conversation? So if you go to Scout and you start up attacking, he's probably going to position against you and fight you. But if you go in open and kind and inviting, he's going to be much more open to the conversation and he understands the purpose. But they talk about practicing startups, right? Yeah. How do you, particularly in difficult conversations. Yeah. It's really
0: yeah I was gonna talk that's what you were talking I was like, but the only way you practically learn that is through practice, yeah right? and being willing to see the feedback and take that data, right so yeah. what worked, what didn't work yeah. in this last startup and how am I going to approach it differently and try a new thing in order to create something new in that conversation so there's that like there's that whole thing of feedback again, right. And the subjectivity, Adrian, what I feel like you were kind of pointing at towards maybe what I was making up about where you were going is like this, this idea of what's subject, like who's the feedback coming from or who's the criticism coming from? Is it subjective? Is it not subjective? That's like, that's one of the big focus that some of these articles focus on is like criticism is subjective, right? It's the person's opinion of what you're doing and feedback is an analysis of the results you're actually creating, but there's always subjectivity anytime that personality or, or, or human thoughts and stories are involved.
1: Yeah. Kierkegaard said life is subjective, (laughs) (laughs) but you think about it. If you're playing golf and you're with Tiger Woods, I want to hear everything he has to say, including his judgments and subjectivity. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know everything. He's thinking about my shots about how I'm shooting and how I'm approaching the game you know I, I how I'm thinking about what I'm doing and you know all that I want it all right it's interesting because I think the biggest thing again when I listen to what you said about that article I wonder what the purpose of the article was- mm-hmm. like was the purpose of the article to try to make it easier or was it to be effective at giving feedback and like I don't know I'm just saying that distinction seems... I see the distinction. And like you said, you're still going to get subjective. So can you imagine if I've got in my mind that we're not supposed to give any subjectivity and you start to give me subjectivity? Now I'm going to resist what you're saying to me versus, okay, I wonder what he means by that. You know, I might might ask questions about that because a lot of times people speak subjectively. They're trying to work things out. So if I get curious about what their subjectivity is, I get to something I did, I may have done that triggered it. And it may or may not be valid, but at least for them it is. And I have a better sense of what may help them open up or close down when they're with me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The the example last night that keeps flying in my mind is... Allie and I have been having this this routine where at night we talk about like what we're grateful for, and you know what are the patterns we're noticing that we want to interrupt, and those have been the two categories of conversation we have, you know, right when we you know right when we get to bed, which has been really fun and helpful. It's great, especially she's like a words of affirmation person, gives me an opportunity to like point stuff out. That's great for her, and you know, and allows us to aim the combo, and then also allows us to kind of objectively look at the patterns. what's happening. Right. And then we can like, we want to interrupt them, but look, what are the patterns instead of like, what's wrong with you or what's wrong with me? What are the patterns? So when I got into bed last night and for the first time, she's like, I want a new category. Like what's, you know, and I said, okay, what's that? And she said, what's frustrating me? I'm like, okay. And and I'll I'll put my helmet on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great. So tell me, you know, and then we started about a 90 minute conversation, which was not fun for either one of us. That's interesting. And we took we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And by the end, though, by the end, I was able there was two conversations, big ones for her. and I was able to say, so it seems like so here's what I learned that this, you know, this thing and this thing. That's what I learned. She's like, yes, that's it. You know, Uh, but to your point, all she knew is she was frustrated. Yep. And where she was naturally with it was I'm frustrated and it's Adrian's fault. And that's just where she was. And she wanted to talk about it, right? So I could say there's lots of assessments I could make about that, or even yeah. judgments I could have about that. Or I could say, hold on, here's a person working out how she gets back to the surface out of right. her anger, out of her frustration. And
1: there's something she's needed to communicate with, which was probably helpful for you once you heard it? Right? Totally. And right. I knew, it. I mean, I I actually had
2: already I had already been thinking about the pattern conversation. The good thing about it is that when you know there's a grateful and a pattern conversation coming up, you actually pay attention during the day. So I already noticed my pattern of which was essentially we were both tired after a long day and she was kind of checked out and she kind of wanted to be checked out. So I, you know, handled all the evening stuff and blah, blah. And uh, anyway, I didn't I should have like let her loose. Like, hey, why don't you, you know, but she was just like, I'm tired. And my response was mommy, too. (laughs) I'm, you know, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Join the club which was not my most gracious response. My What I could have been saying was, hey, oh, hold on. She wants me to say, hey, why don't you go take a bath and chill out and I'll handle all the kid stuff. Okay. And I noticed I didn't give her that gift. Mm-hmm. I didn't give her that gift. And I was judging what she was saying to me instead of seeing the gift she almost asked for. I could have seen the gift. I knew it already. And I could have given it to her. I didn't do either one of those. And my point in bringing it up here is, you know listening long enough listening beyond beyond the approach even where where somebody is approaching you and getting to if you care about them, getting to the point, helping them find their point, not rushing them to their point
1: discovering it really to this. discovering it i call yeah. that i call it relationship yoga you know because you you know I'm not much of a yogi' because, but i i probably in more need of it than anyone <laughs> the thing I learned in yoga was you know you get to the pose and then. You hold the pose when it starts to hurt. The idea is you keep holding, you keep moving into the pain, you keep stretching into the pain. And that, you know, think about that can happen in a relationship like you just described, yep. but also at work. How often does somebody come to you? And because I have a predetermined judgment or upset that I'm, or some kind of evaluation that I, it colors what they say and I don't have much patience to stretch into what i yeah. are saying, right? And then my short-sightedness actually reproduces the very judgment I have of them. And so that's yeah. my position.
2: Yeah. Well, it's worth noticing if you're a leader listening to this. And if you're le- listening to learn something and go apply something, then here's something to wonder. Is as you think about all the people on your team, what do you, when you think about that person, what comes to mind? Mm. Like Just like really assess how you are by yourself with that person if that makes sense. Like when you're sitting there and thinking about people, uh, picture your leadership team meeting and think about each of these people. And if you naturally want to move towards them or you naturally want to move away from them, because that context is what's always already happening for you with the person, right? So feedback is always going to be generated out of that. You know, out of that, you might be neutral about them. You might really care about them and think they're great and they're going to be with you in the future. You might already think they're done, and they're a waste of time or you have to keep them, blah, 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 whatever your negative, potentially negative critique is. But whatever is already there when they're not there, that's the bowl, if you will, that all this stuff is going to be or even the soil. Maybe use that analogy, the soil that all these conversations are going to be coming up through. So it's worth noticing that. And if you're not neutral or if you're not even if you're, as a leader, I would call you to be forward thinking and positive about how it's going to work out because that's your job optimistic so if you're not that then think through what needs to get cleared what conversations are already there what are the you know the, mm-hmm. the 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 plaque in the arteries what's the clog in the drain what's the fill whatever it's already there stopping great healthy proactive productive communication from happening and it's yours it's not them. it's what you've decided about them because of what has happened in the past and they're not responsible for your critique of them you're responsible for your critique of them and the unhad conversations you've had because of your cowardice right or because of your it essentially always comes back to cowardice if i think
1: clear, i hired them and they're supposed to be doing this work and you know every time they come in late i i talk to them they still don't correct you know this guy just doesn't really appreciate blah 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 i have all these this background yeah you know and if that were true if that is true then you're then you can think of it this way you're the one who's made it okay because you're complaining about it still that's right? right there's something going on in you it's always in the listener yeah right i can't get that i think that that's crucial because if yeah. i own that then i can find new possibility and right. i might find the possibility that i should have let this person go a long time ago yeah. But I kept them on because I'm afraid I can't find somebody else to do the work I don't want to do. Yeah. Might as well get real about that then. It's yeah. true, right?
2: That's right. And back to the opener piece, you know, whatever's not working, there's, you don't need to go fix that. You probably just need to go put language to that. Yeah. You know, I mean, if I'm having a, if I'm having a struggle with somebody, then usually I just need to say, hey, we're not doing too well, are we? Or, hey, we seem to be avoiding each other. Or, you know, I I find myself avoiding you. Most of the time, when leaders I'm coaching need to go up this type of corrective conversation, I'll ask them, "How long have you known you needed to have the combo?" And they'll usually say, "Oh, two, three months." And I say, "Great." So then, how you start this conversation is, "Hey, there's been something on my mind for two and three months, and I've not yet had the courage to say it."
1: and and you think about it, that means for two or three months, part of the purpose of your communication has been to avoid the thing that needs to be talked about. Right. So you're, there's a part of the communication. If you can acknowledge that this has been there for two or three months that you've been tiptoeing around, that's going to definitely skew the effectiveness of any other communication. Right. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we really thought more of a kind of in a forensic way. That's kind of what we do in our trainings, cognitive forensics, right? Like, What are the prices I'm paying for holding on to these judgments, assessments, whatever they are, and not working through them, getting them on the table? How much more energy do I spend? How does it impact the vision? How does it impact my ability to train the organization into what I want it to be? I'm actually going the opposite direction. I'm training them in the very thing I say I don't want.
2: Right. Yeah. And then blaming them for it.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering why why can't we get results? Why isn't why don't we have any rate of motion? How yeah. come you know it takes so long to get something done? How come there's so much drama it's just to get a little thing done? Well, I
0: just, I just got done consulting with a business owner and his number one employee that he's had for seven years, and it was it became very clear at the beginning of COVID that they needed to rearrange his position because the work the nature of the work was such that his position wasn't justified anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and we're just now having this conversation. And that was the very first conversation we had. We, I, it was clear to me that that conversation was crucial in order to move on to the reorganization conversation was, okay, how long have you known and you decided to just take care of this guy? Right. And that's what and now they're in a position where they're afraid that their friendship and their long term relationship was in jeopardy because of this reorganization. And it all came down to they both knew it simultaneously. The business owner knew he needed to to reorganize the position. And the other guy knew that he couldn't create the value that was needed in order to hold that position. But he was just hoping it wouldn't be noticed. (laughs) And the, and the relationship and what's possible for them together, the magic they have made for seven years together was starting to look like nothing could happen. There was nothing there because of this dynamic now. And so once we got that man, it was amazing. They were so positioned. They were, they couldn't see much possibility in going forward. And as soon as we got it out that one, Hey, I've known this for almost a year. And the other one saying, I've known it also for almost a year (laughs) just like blew the thing out and everything was possible now. And they're both excited to move forward. It was incredible.
1: Yeah. And it's so great when you hit those, like when people want to hold in and now if you're truly open, you can, but again, if you're in there to prove something, you're just going to polarize it. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to stay open for longer than one or two or three conversations. And, you know, like in marriage, there are some things that never get solved either. Yeah. They resolved. They're just an honor. You kind of hold them loosely and work together, right? People who are very different with each other do that, right? Yeah. So
0: let's let's talk about, taking in, so Dan, you painted this picture of the plexiglass. Hey, can you just put yourself in this plexiglass, let the words land on it so that you can sit, can consider them. I also just the other day, two days ago, watched a video, Dan, of you in the MCA and you're talking about the meaning that we give to conversations. And if we go into these conversations, giving them that meaning, we can't be open to what else might be there, right? So that's what we're talking about is this there's these conversations that we've put, we've already made up what they're about rather than hearing what's there. I'm curious, can we talk a minute just about how do we, how do we decide what feedback and criticism we allow in to, to change our behavior or, or create something new with and what, what we say, Oh, that's, thank you for your feedback you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, um, but I I think even in leadership, as we're working with a leadership team or whatever, there's there's going to be criticism. There's going to be feedback that comes back to us. And we have to choose what we integrate into our decision-making and our conversations and what we deflect.
2: That's a great question. I don't have a great answer for it. I was hoping you were going to go Dan. <laughs> I think it's a great question. I mean, I, I've got a swing. I've got a swing. I mean... So how to decide, and by the way, if what's the book? Thanks for the feedback.
1: Yeah, I'm they, sure you, you're thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the feedback. It's a great project. project. Yeah, yeah, Sheila Heen and uh, Douglas, whatever his name is, from the Harvard Negotiation Project. Yeah,
2: so check that book out if you guys really want to think about, have a, go a deep dive academic view with a lot of studies about it. About feedback and and how to do it, I, w- I did, would
1: say they did, they did ten years of research, yeah, on what effective feedback is, roots, well done.
2: yeah, so my answer to, uh, chad, to you know to your question is I always think about the future of the relationship first, because if i if I really want to be connected to this person i'm I, you know if I want to be connected to this person then I'm going, to, I'm going to listen very differently than that. Then if I don't want to be connected to the person. Mm-hmm. So that's first. That's always like first for me. I don't know if it's a, if it has to go first, but that's all, it always primes me. Primes me like what's, because I, I will listen to some, like somebody that I want to be with. I'm going to listen to them really distinctly. If some hate troll on Instagram tells me something, I really don't care. <laughs> and I have to watch it because I actually find myself caring until I say, hold on, I don't know this person. I'll never know this person. I don't want to know this person. Okay, fine. Just let this go. I don't need to argue with this person about feedback. I don't care. Mm-hmm. So I think about I think about relationship. So that, that's first thing for me. And second is, I'm going to listen to them. And Dan, I'll probably steal some of your answers because I get a lot of this from our conversations together. First, I put it in alignment with my vision. What do then I care about? Like, what's the future that I'm committed to? And how might this feedback that's harsh actually help me Get to where I want to go, although I don't like how it sounds now, or I don't like how it makes me look, quote unquote. Because there's some kind of purpose to it that I could learn something from. And learning is always, I mean, most of the time, learning something about myself, like a humble type of learning, you know, isn't very fun because I need to have to consider myself in a way that I'd prefer not to. I consider myself in a way that doesn't line up with my self flattering view, is what I mean. But I, want to, I really want to be connected to this person. And I think if I can do that, if I'm willing to do that, then actually I'll learn and grow. Like to my conversation with Allie last night, I saw what her critique was. And I want actually to do that. I want to do that. I want to be the guy that does that. So I can absorb it because there's something in there for me. But I got to want what that is for me in the future. Mm. If that makes sense. It's connected to my future. And I, only because I say so. You know, and, they, and then secondly, I want to notice. I guess maybe thirdly, I want to notice uh, my own machinery and how I want to dismiss it and critique the other person's critique instead of just sitting with it. You know, and what Dan says is like, "Am I willing to listen for what I know I don't want to hear?" And that shows up for me if I find myself in a in a defensive or a comparison conversation or a credit type conversation, you know? So if I'm like, that's not true, then all of a sudden, oh there's something here for me. Or, well, I did this, but you know, you did this worse. Like that's a comparison conversation. Or, well, I did this, but you didn't notice the other five things I did. Like all those are telling me there's something here for me. And kind of to Dan's point about yoga, you're like leaning into that pain, if I'm, if I'm resistant, then there's something here for me. That's like one of the mantras for me. If I don't want to hear it, there must be something that's true. And it might be true. Sometimes it's not true on a superficial level. It's actually true at a deeper level. And I got to like sit with it for a minute and really mull it around until I find out. And usually it really hits something deep in the core of conversation about who I am and who I want to be or who I'd prefer to be or who I wish I was. And it's very identity driven and I'm resisting it because i think that if that's true then my view of myself either has been false or is false or something won't happen or i'm not who i think i am you know it's kind of it insults or assaults you know some kind of view of myself you know so i want to pay attention to those combos and if i can see those conversations then i can actually honor the even quote unquote negative or harsh critique i can really honor it there's some kind of stoic quote about this that comes to mind around you know, learning, learning from, because you, can, you know, I forget what it is, but something effective, like learning from your successes, learning from your failures, learning from somebody else's failures, like from like your enemy's failures or something, some kind of stoic quote about something like that. Like, even if somebody brings me something in a pretty shitty way and I decide to learn from it, mm-hmm. you know, even this guy, if this guy's a jackass and I still hear him and learn from it anyway, then that's like the ultimate victory. Yeah, if I like jump on the bandwagon about how this guy's an idiot. Then I get nothing. But if I can actually listen past my judgments of that person, then really, man, I'm I'm like I'm unstoppable.
1: Yeah, and, and, and to your point, I mean, you actually do get something by not listening to him. You get to be right, you know. Yeah, you in control. But in, in your question about what to listen to, I think you listen to it all. I mean. It's on the plexiglass so you can look at it. I use that because I tend to, I have a habit of making it personal, then I get reactive. Yeah. So if I if I can just catch it and go, okay, remind myself that this is their testimony to me, their confession to me about how I'm impacting them. As to Adrian's point, I can lay that up against what I really want them to experience or what, I, what I'm committed to have them experience with me and say, wow, I either I missed. Or, you know, how is what they're telling me true? Where is it true? Like, a lot of times I just think black and white. That's not true. But where might it be true? When might it be true? So there's a series of questions. And I tend to go to the one that bothers me the most first. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise, I can't think. So I might as well go, why is this bothering me? Why? You know, it's on the plexiglass. Why am I edgy towards it? I'm letting it get in. What is it I'm making up about it? And usually there's some questions there that I need mm-hmm. to ask to clarify because I'm afraid it might mean my worst nightmare when it might just, and if it does, so what? Why is that such a problem? Right? There's a whole process of discovery in it. But like Adrian said too, I do the same thing. I ask myself, is this, do I really want to get into it with this person? <laughs> is that really going to yeah. contribute? Right? Yeah. You know, that's a yeah. big deal especially as you get older, you only have so much time left. You go, <laughs> "Yeah, I, I
2: want this. This is not a battle I want to fight. Yeah, it's worth it to consider the motives of the of the speaker. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, it brings me back to some of our leadership meetings with one of our clients, and, you know, one of the guys in there is just completely resistant all the time, so it's like, let's not fight him. Let's, you know, let's let's directly work with him if he doesn't want to work We'll work with whatever that is, and tell, work with the client about it, right? Uh, and just speak honestly, and but not get too hook, hooked up in it, because you can easily get hooked up and skew a meeting or skew a conversation just to be right about what a dick somebody else is in your own judgment. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, as
0: as you were talking, Adrian, it made me realize, or I it didn't make me realize, I realized that I asked the question about receiving the criticism or the feedback. And as you were talking, I was like, oh, that's what also determines whether I'm criticizing or giving feedback is how connected I am to the future I want with that person. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I find myself specifically criticizing my Mm -hmm. wife or my kids, it's because I'm bothered. I'm annoyed and I want to be relieved of my annoyance as quickly as possible. And so I start to criticize.
1: Yeah.
0: But when I am connected to the future that I want with them, like really inside of me and how this interaction is going to feed that bucket of what I want, right? It's going to fill that bucket of what I want with them. Then it shows up as feedback. And I'm. And it's less emotional. It's less bothered. It's much more of, hey, here's what I want. You are we on the same page? Oh, yeah, you want the same thing too? Okay. Well, in the future, you know, this doesn't really work for me for this reason or this this other reason. What what's what else is possible? Yeah. What could we create together? And yeah. that, that's just that was a light bulb that I just had as you were talking about that. It's like, oh, that's the difference. When I show up like a critical asshole, dad, it's I just want to. To relieve myself,
1: yeah. The critical man, I like
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, I could write a book. I I really could. And when I I was just, I was
2: just that, just having that conversation as I sat down this morning because I've been. My son is having a harder time. He's seven. He's having a harder time in quarantine. He's pretty pissed these days, and he was like kind of the sweet, docile one for a long time, and now he's getting kind of edgy. And I'm I'm having a lot of these kind of corrective conversations, and I just thought I said I had another one this morning. I've had two in the last 24 hours with him. I had another one this morning and I just sitting here thinking about, I probably need to confess to him about how I'm a lot like him. Like he's you know, kind of a grump and edgy. And I probably need to tell him more about how I feel, not about how his behavior, but how I feel inside my own head and how I, I relate to him. Like I didn't, I haven't spent in the last two conversations, I haven't really related to him because mm-hmm. I get, I get it. I get, you know, he seems powerless and he's seven and grown grownups suck and all that stuff. I get it. You know, but to your point, it's like, if I'm really committed to the relationship, even I'll have the conversation and then I can have it like 25 times. It's really okay to go back at it, go again, get up, go again. And hey, you know what? I was thinking about that combo about this. And here's what else was, what I didn't see then, but now I see. And, you know, there's a, there's a, what we're, I think at a core, we're talking about what's the type of holistic conversation that's needed to really make a relationship work, to make a work relationship work. We talk about that a lot in this context, you know, to really make it effective and to generate this, uh, the holistic comes to mind, just a, a a well-rounded approach to talking about all sides of all things that are happening. Most people don't and then pay the price for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been, since since we started, Dan, you're going to say something?
1: No, no, it's, well, to, to the point that I don't know about you, but there's many times I've tried to avoid getting feedback. And so the conversation is very deflective or, you know, it's, it's avoidant. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear the feedback because I'm yeah. afraid of, you know, there's a million things that go on inside me. And that's what I, that's what I pay attention to. Because if that's the case then I I'll force myself to sit down and, and I'll get myself in a place where I could be open. But I notice I get really resistant. Yeah. And that's usually the time when I know I need to hear it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, think about it. You have people that you work with on your team and you just don't want to be around them. (laughs) 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 them. Because there's probably conversations that are waiting to happen. They want to happen, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Feedback. Yeah. And even like, I don't want to be around them. And I would just say to that, so what? All right. Like, I don't want to be around. I'm like, hey, you didn't hire the person to go be best buddies and go to Cabo together. You didn't like, you're there to get something done, really, you know? So you don't have to like love the person. I mean, like, you know, want to go out and have a beer with them or whatever. You can like just, hey, I don't have to, we don't have to like each other. We really don't, you know? And we right. will, if we get past that, we probably will, actually, by the way. If we get off of what I think you need to be for me to like you, then if I, Decide to not care about that. I'll probably end up liking you. Mm -hmm. You know, so some like polarizing type personalities. If I decide to get off of how important it is that they know that I'm being polarized by them, I'll probably end up being close to them. But I was just since the beginning of this convo, I've been thinking about the old this old guy Ken Blanchard, who you know he's I don't know if Ken's still alive. yeah, so Ken wrote a book back in the '80s or something called The One Minute Manager, which sold like 10 million copies or something. And it, it, here's the, here's the idea: is that management can happen in like one minute conversations. And the, here's the point that I bring it up here. If you like the book or don't like the book or whatever, anyway, he consulted. Anyway, he 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 essentially framed out management styles for a lot of major industry in the U.S. So you got to read it. But the point is that there's like having. One minute conversations, one is about the future, what are goals with you and, and, and the person you're talking to, having a one minute conversation about what works, like a celebration, having a one minute conversation, what he calls a reprimand, just a corrective conversation. And like making sure to the holistic point I just made a second ago, that there's the future is happening, what's working is happening, and what what is in the way, essentially what the reprimand is, is, is happening. And most people, we don't have the future conversation often enough every leader that's listening to this say, Hey, when's the last time you sat down with each one of your leaders and talked to them about the future? Yeah. And that, that be shocked.
1: and separate the who from the what that's what makes it. I mean, if you can separate the person from what you want to talk to them about and then it's easier to get to them. That's right. You know?
0: Yeah. If I were to recap this conversation, I would say, you know, be less worried about whether you're creating a, culture of criticism or a culture of feedback and be more committed to the future that you want to have with the people and the the action, the right quote unquote right action will come out of that vision and that, that commitment to them rather than, well, is this criticism or is this feedback? And I think that that will naturally happen. So great conversation. This one was, this one was life-giving for me.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks for picking the topic. There's so much we could do. This. We could go deep into this.
0: Yep. <laughs> well, I've, I've got a list of about five other things that came up in this conversation that we weren't even able to touch. Because oh, yeah. of time.
1: I've, I've been writing things down like there's you know, emotional triggers, identity triggers. I mean, I, there's all kinds of stuff that came to my mind. So.
0: Great. Thanks so much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks, bye. Chad. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Chad. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. and We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.